You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. It's time for the Geeks Pub. I said the Geeks Pub, even though it's Geeks Pub, David. Who cares? Who cares? You care? I don't. Okay. Not really. Nobody listening cares. It was a good episode uh, two weeks ago with Eric. We did the uh, kind of the whole Star Wars thing. That was fun. You wanted to said you wanted to revisit Star Wars. I did want to. Yeah. Maybe we'll do that towards the end of the show. Yeah. So uh, we're going to kick this off, though, that, you know, there's some really good trailers out there right now for upcoming movies, uh, which is good because, let's be honest, 2019 was a fantastic year for geeky movies. Was it? Yeah. Was it really? Avengers Endgame was one of the <laughs> best out it's only, there. only like the biggest and best superhero movie probably ever made. Uh, it, it was... <laughs> It made and it took all the money. Yeah, all the money. All the money. Yeah, it made more money than like ninety five percent of the countries in the world GDP. Well, it, is is Star Wars anywhere near close to making the money that uh, Endgame made yet? No, in fact, the new Star Wars movie, Rise of Skywalker, is um, disappointing at Ooh, the box office. Yeah, a bit floppy. Last Jedi has actually made more money in the same amount of time. Which I'm not really surprised. You know, I, I said last week, or last Geekiest, or Geekiest, Geeks Pub that, you know, I, I liked it better the second watching, but now that I've lived with it for a couple of weeks, eh, I don't know. Well, I mean, I just finished watching The Mandalorian, and The Mandalorian, as a, story, as a coherent story in eight episodes, obviously it's much longer than the movie, was... Far, far better. The Mandalorian in, in one season was better than yeah, the last three Star Wars. Better War than the last three Star Wars, and it's not it even was, it's not even close. It was absolutely brilliant, and you know how I knew it was brilliant because the first episode was a little bit, you know, you and I talked about it back in the day, and it was a little bit uneven. Mm -hmm. But you know, it kind of really got into its stride straight straight into episode two. By episode three, I remember saying to you, I said, I can't imagine they're getting this much story to heart. I can't understand that they're getting this much action and story into half an hour right um and um alexander had watched the original pilot the first episode with me and he was kind of like me he was like her i said to him i said you've got to watch this we when we went away over over christmas he watched the whole lot on his ipad and uh about halfway through i just leaned over and t on the plane tapped him and said what do you think of it and he just his eyes were shining he went this is brilliant yeah you know i mean it really is yeah it, it it's amazing um, and maybe we shouldn't be surprised. Maybe it's time to really kind of step back and go, okay, who are the great geeky storytellers that are taking existing properties and bringing them to a whole different level that no one really, I think, gives them enough credit for? And at this point, I got to say, it's John Favreau. Oh, he, yeah. He kicked off. This is what people forget. John yeah. Favreau kicked off the Marvel Universe. What he did yeah. with that first Iron Man movie, which, by the way, holds up extremely well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it was brilliant. And then he's doing this again in the Star Wars universe. I mean, hats off to the guy. He, he's oh, brilliant. Well, not only that, I mean, it's not, it's not particularly my taste, my cup of tea, but you actually watch those two... CGI animated remakes he's done of The Lion King and um, The Jungle Book. Yeah. And they are they are fantastic films. Yes. They're not really my bag at all. No, um, me neither. And, and 
and I, I don't, I don't, I'm not really into this whole let's remake everything that's ever been made again um, thing that that Hollywood's doing at the moment. But I have to say, as a, as as pieces of technical and storytelling filmmaking, he knocked it out of the park with both of those. They, I mean, they really hold, they really hold up. You know. This feels like a passion project for him, though. Uh, definitely. Because remember, um, John Favreau actually pl- voiced a Mandalorian in the Clone Wars series. You, did you did exactly? You know that? I did know that. Yeah. Um, oh, it's it's clear that he has a real love for this universe, but he yeah. he he loved he he loves it in a way that's different from the way Kathleen Kennedy loves it. Oh, it's a business for her. It's a passion yeah, exactly. for him, and, it, and that comes yeah. out clearly. Yeah. So, same thing with um, um, Fioni. You know, Dave Fioni is is uh, so passionate about it. You know, he learned all of this at the side of George Lucas. Yeah. And but he's taken it to a different level as well. You know, he I think he understands character development way better than George Lucas ever did. George Lucas was more of a big picture kind of guy, and you need that. But well, when it comes to telling the stories, you need uh, these guys. I don't. I don't think even. I'd not even say that George Lucas is a big pitch kind kind of guy. Star Wars, the reason it works is because it's it's a riff on various different older movies. Yeah, sure. Well, so is Mandalorian. Mandalorian is just an American Western movie. But 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 you know, it's 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 a new twist on an old theme. Yeah. You know, and the homage thing. And and what I loved about the Mandalorian was one part of the fun of it is watching each other and trying to figure out, you know. which kind of classic Western trope are they doing this week? You know, yeah, and he, we had the, he hit so many of them too. Exactly. We had the Magnificent Seven. We had a heist movie. You yeah. know, we had the prison the break. The, yeah, I know. It was all there. Yeah, it, it was just, and it was so well done. Um, younger people, uh, there's a couple at work. When I said, well, they're doing classic Western stories with the Mandalorian, and I got blank looks. And I said, have you never watched classic Western shows? And they're like, no, not really. Uh, and I don't understand why you're saying this is a Western. It's not a Western. It's totally, it's the lone gunslinger. It's, yeah. he puts the man together. With no name. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's literally the man with no name. It, 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 it's, it's all there. You, you, yeah. you guys don't understand your film and television history because there's nothing original about the Mandalorian. And yet it's a hundred percent original. I know yeah. that sounds like a contradiction, but if you're our age, you understand what that means exactly. Because let's be honest, there's very few things that's original now. Everything's a yeah. riff on something. Everything's taking inspiration. Quentin Tarantino built his career on taking inspiration from the movies that he grew up loving. Yeah. I mean, that's his whole thing. You know, he takes these yeah. actors who disappeared for the most part and brings them back in. And it's he does it. Some would say brilliantly. I would say he does it very well. Um, but they're entertaining usually. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, he's, he, I think the problem is with Tarantino. As as he's gotten older and he's done more films, he's started imitating himself. You know, he's he's kind of self-referencing himself in some of his later mm, movies now. I don't know. You know, um, I, I think they probably everybody does that to a certain extent. Yeah. I, and I, we maybe, may interpret it that way because yeah. he has a certain style and he's well, sticking maybe, to that style. Yeah, maybe that's what I mean. May, I think I think the thing is 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 you know back in the days of Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs, his style was so 
you know, completely different than what any what everybody else was doing. Right, and he's now stuck his style to... is yeah. Now now his style is more familiar, um, and more people have aped it. Perhaps it doesn't come across quite as um, you know innovative, as controversial, innovative, or you know. But I, I one of the things I love about Tarantino always is that is that he, he he's not a slave to the material. You know, I'm, I'm by that I'm thinking about. Um, one of my favourites of the recents he's done, which is Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't. He's. He wants to do something, and he, he he took it in a direction I think nobody in that movie, when you're watching it, is expecting. You know, where he basically you know, the final act, he basically throws history out the window and says, "Well, this is how I think it would have gone down if these guys would have been there." Uh, um, he and, does the same thing with uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I don't know if you've yeah, seen it or not. I've not seen that one yet. Yeah, he does exactly yeah. the same thing. Like well, it's the story of this actor who, uh, and his stunt double, who kind of can't get work anymore, and this actor who's his career's almost kind of run its course. Um, so in some respects, he it's kind of what happened to a lot of the actors that he pulls into his movies, whose act, whose career has kind of run its course, and they're not in movies anymore, and he brings them up, and all of a sudden. You know, they're big. Pam Greer as Jackie Chan, or Jackie Chan, Jackie Brown. It's to, to, two totally I'd different. Pay, I'd pay to see a movie with Pam Greer acting as Jackie Chan. Yeah, me too. That'd actually be pretty cool. But, you know, he, he does this a lot, and yeah. I like it. I like that he's taking these actors who are great actors, but they're not young. They're not, you know, the, the hotness right now, so they don't get well, roles. Yeah. Look at look at well look at using Jackie Brown as an example, which is again is a is one of my favourites of his. Um, the guy who played Robert Forster, who played the um, yeah the, the uh, you know the the bondsman in that yeah who died died just relatively recently, recently. Yeah. yeah yeah but he was an amazing actor yeah you know he, he, a character actor yes but an amazing character actor. Well, remember he was also in um, Breaking Bad. Yeah, he was the guy that they would call when you got to get the hell out. Exactly. And he yeah, played he a, great. a part in. Um, oh, what was it? He just, he was just in something. I can't think of what it was now. Oh, he was he he reprised that role for that Breaking Bad movie, El Camino, which was stupid. Um, <laughs> it was it, it was a totally unnecessary. Are you movie. say the, say the movie was stupid, not his role in it. No, his role was the same role. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. he, he was brilliant yeah. in the role, but. Yeah. It was an unnecessary movie. It was yeah. like people people wanted more Breaking Bad, but the, he they left out the parts of Breaking Bad that made it Breaking Bad. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, regardless, yeah, he was a great actor. I really liked him. Every time that, that guy's on the screen, you you watch him. We'll we'll do that on one of these shows. We'll we'll do a show dedicated to character actors, great character actors. Yeah, we'd probably have to put. A website up or a, a pictures up on the website so people can know who the hell we're talking about because i think you you don't recognize if you just say their names no you don't recognize them by name but you often recognize them instantly yeah when you see them you know um, so and yeah. i i really liked but, but it's the movie though for uh once upon a time hollywood is happening basically right next door to Polanski's house, of well, course. Where the, where the Manson murders occurred. Exactly. Yeah. In history, this is an alternate universe. That's all I'm going to say. 
Okay. Uh, but it's really, I enjoyed it. It was a little bit long, but I didn't care. I was really enjoying it. When you got, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio, <laughs> I did that on purpose, um, <laughs> but he can act. He's a good actor with the yeah. right, the Wolf of Wall Street he was great in. Uh, yeah, um, that was a great movie as well. Yeah. But I like Brad Pitt. I, I think he's a good actor when he's not being Brad Pitt. And he's totally not being Brad Pitt. He's almost being a, a Robert Redford in this movie in, a, in some respects. Um, I liked it a lot. It was good. And I was happy when it was over. I was like, I'm glad I watched that. That was good. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to pick it up. It's out on video, on digital now. Okay, I will definitely do. So The Mandalorian, um, I think we're both extremely happy with. Uh, you know what I'm... It, it, Hey, if you guys are listening to this, I assume that you've already watched the whole series. If you haven't, there's, when we're talking about this stuff, there's going to be spoilers. Sorry to yeah. say. Uh, and we're not going to say spoiler warning. If well, you're no, listening the, to the, the, what, the Pod, final, this When the is, final episode came out, what, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, yeah, something like that? Yeah, it was exactly. before Christmas. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Moth. Of course, there's another Breaking Bad connection. He was the, the, yeah. he was the heavy in Breaking Bad. Um. You knew he was coming because he was in the trailers, and he doesn't show up until the second to the last episode. Yeah, and well, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I hadn't seen the trailers, so I didn't, I wasn't expecting him. But I, as soon as we went into that pair of final episodes where they're going to go back and kind of, you know, finish what was started right at the beginning of the, of the season, yeah. I thought to myself, "There's no way that, you know, great as he was, Werner Herzog, the uh, the guy, the client." is going to be the only guy behind this, obviously, no, you no. know? And so I was not remotely surprised when, you know, um, he gets moved off the board and, and immediately a new big bad comes on who's clearly, you know, I mean, he, I've not, I'd not seen that guy in Breaking Bad, but I you, you could tell as soon as he dominated the screens he took on, oh, he yeah. absolutely said, came down and said, I'm the guy in charge. Yeah. And I thought it was great how they, they did a thing where they kind of basically reinforced what a badass he was without showing him because they have the two storm the two stormtroopers just kind of you know shooting the shit and having a chat. Oh my god, and... that was one of my favorite scenes of anything. <laughs> it was, it was all brilliant. year long. Every every TV show, every movie I've watched the entire past twelve months, that scene with the stu two stormtroopers. <laughs> Was one of my favorites. I mean, they sit there with them for five minutes, and they're just talking. And the whole thing, the guy just wants to look at it. Should, should, we, should we check it? You just want to look at it again. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, we got to make sure it's okay. Even the and then thing he starts is, well... making noises, and he starts punching the bag. <laughs> and the whole thing as well about, you know, they, they decide to do some, the ball. They start doing target practice, and they can't hit the thing. Yeah. Which is the whole storm troopers can't yeah. shoot. Yeah. It was just—it was just so funny. It was—it was so great, and it was a real break of pace. It was a very tense episode, and they stick that in the middle, and it kind of really, you know, like resets the thing before you get to the final, the finale of the episode. I thought it was brilliant. I was killing myself with laughter. Oh, it was so good. <laughs> it was so. I keep meaning to go back and watch that scene because I just love it so much. It's so <laughs> great. It's like they took a part of Clerks and put it in the, right in the middle of this. You got yeah, all this I'm... serious and, oh, my God, they got Baby Yoda and the Ugnot <laughs> dude is dead. And the guys are trapped in the building and an evil moth is there. And then here's these two stormtroopers. 
And one of them, you know, and they have this, even though you can't see their faces, I mean, obviously, you know, they've got That's whole, what makes it brilliant. Yeah, they have a whole central character, you never see his face. So it, it shows how it can be done, that you can't see the face, and yet you immediately get the dynamic. You've got the, the serious one, and you've got the one who's a bit of a, <laughs> bit of a wank, okay. crack off, you know, a bit of a, a lay, layabout, you know. And there's one saying, we really, you know, we've got to follow the book, we've got to find out what we're doing, and, and the other one's going, oh, you know, let me look at it. Let me look at it. <laughs> I love how That's he starts right. punching the bag, and I'm sitting there yeah. thinking, oh, my God, the Internet's losing their collective mind right now because the Stormtrooper's punching Baby Yoda. Oh, yeah. my God. It was, it was great stuff. That was it really, so really funny. Was. Yeah. I, I, I can't. And then again, that's John Favreau right there. Yeah, exactly. You, you know? know? And and then this was this was directed by um, Taika Waititi. Yeah. Who is the guy behind? Uh, used to be in the flight, the Concords. Was the guy who he was wasn't in the flight of Concords. Uh, he he wasn't. Was he, well, he's what he was in the thing that became before flight of the Concords. Hmm. He's part of that group. The group is only two guys. No, no, he's he, there's a group of them. I think the thing that that spawned flight of the Concords. He was in. Oh, see, I'm not familiar with that. I know yeah. flight of the Concords very well. I love that series. Yeah. Uh, I didn't like their music so much as as a standalone thing, but yeah. in the show it was brilliant. Yeah, uh, but, this, but of this... course he was also the director of Thor Ragnarok, and he was exactly. the rock dude's voice in that show. It, exactly, he he well, he a... motion he motion capped him, and he motion capped the um, the robot the robot in this episode, yeah. and he directed it as well. You know, and he's he's a you know a, a great director he, he his latest film jojo rabbit is up for oscars and and all sorts of things every time i see the you commercial know. for that i'm like yeah I'm, I'm just not interested in a kid whose make-believe friend is hitler <laughs> just doesn't i get the humor but no not in yeah. today's world where we have actual rising of nazi sentiment again i'm not interested yeah, that's I, not I, that's not a character that I want to be. <laughs> from from what I've read, it's it's works on much on much um, much deeper level than I, what I, it appears to be. Yeah, I don't. So, care. Um, but I, yeah, I don't. Okay, care. well, you know, if the trailer doesn't get you through the uh, box office, through the I, I think I doors, would then... rather watch that wretched thing where he survived and he's on the moon and he has robot dinosaurs or some crap like that. You have no idea what I'm talking about, do you? I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, there's a, there's two movies out there that Hitler's and the Nazis survived and they moved to the moon. Oh, right. I'm and sorry. there's okay. dinosaurs in it or something. I don't know. Okay. It's so over the top that I, I never even bothered to watch it. I'm like, no. <laughs> Life is too short. Um, yeah, yeah, so, so anyway, so, he, so he, he's involved. He, he... And that's the thing. They seem to be getting these actors... And creatives on Mandalorian that they shouldn't be able to get these guys at the top of the peak of their careers. They're well, getting them to do this Disney Plus series. <laughs> Let's face it. If you'd have told me 18 months ago, yeah, there's going to be a new Star Wars series. And, and one of the characters in it is going to be Nick Nolte. But he's, yeah. it's not going to be Nick Nolte like playing his new usual kind of crazy wild man thing. It'll be Nick Nolte um, in motion capture on this kind of little dwarf type thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you're, and I would have gone, Nick Nolte? No way. Nick Nolte doing science fiction? No way. Yeah, and it's, he's brilliant in it. He is. He's great. When, when that Ugnaught is talking, it's clearly, it's clearly Nick Nolte. Yeah. I mean, not just the voice. I mean, the mannerisms and everything. Yeah. 
there was just a movie I watched maybe a year ago. Um, what is it? Boy. He was in it with Robert Redford. Uh, Robert Redford. Uh, it's called A Walk in the Woods. Came out in 2015. Wow, it's been a little while. Um, it didn't get good scores, though, but I'll be honest with you, I really like that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, 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 to me, that it kind of brought Nick Nolte back. I mean, that's the movie that I was like, I still like Nick Nolte? I didn't think I would anymore. I mean, the height of his career was kind of 48 hours, you know, where he played yeah. the racist cop. Yeah, no, I'd remember him in 48 hours, but uh, I mean, I think he's had a thing go for the last sort of 10 years or so, kind of as these these crazy old man characters. You you should watch you A know. Walk in the Woods. It's really good. Uh, I will do. Um, so, yeah, we, uh, we, it sounds like we both like it. But here's the thing. I, I do want to touch on Skywalker for a second. And this will be an ongoing discussion for years to come, obviously, because we're Star Wars geeks. Yeah. One thing that was bothering me more than anything was Lando. And what I mean by that is, uh, number one, I, I was happy to see Lando. Don't get me wrong. But the end of the movie, when Lando shows up with all those ships, was unrealistic. It's like, yeah. okay, he got like wow. a quarter of a million ships and they're going to fight these planet-killing Star Destroyers, which, okay, sure. Which they had a whole planet's worth. Yeah, it's a whole planet's managed worth. To, managed to build in secret, nobody knew. Presumably, yeah. those all had a crew of, I don't know, I mean, Star Destroyers are pretty big. What do you think the minimal minimum crew you need for a Star Destroyer is? 40,000? Well, I'd say uh, you, you, you at, least, at least need three, 400 people to uh, crew a Star Destroyer. So, And there was what? There was about at least a thousand. Yeah. That's a lot of people. And yeah. and that's not including all the <laughs> all the Sith fans who were hiding down with the Emperor who we've, <laughs> we've never right. heard of before. Yeah. And they're all but just I, standing you know, around in box think, seats watching the Emperor talking I to this girl. I think this is this is a problem I've always had with particularly with these with an uh, JJ Abrams movie. Um I kind of touched on this before. I same problem I had with with um with the Star Trek movie he did is that if he doesn't think it fits, it's worth addressing in his plot, he ignores it. Yeah. So, I mean, the one one of the problems I've had with this fight, with this three, with this last trilogy, is that it's a whole galaxy far, far away, and yet they make it feel so small. Yeah, I get because that. Because the, yeah. yeah, they only ever go to the same places. They get to these same places instantly. Yeah, um, there, there, there is, seems to be no cost or no implication, no consideration of fuel or time or anything like that to get to anywhere in this galaxy. And actually, this galaxy seems to be made up of about eight or ten places. Um, and it, and it, it makes everything feel small. And considering this is meant to be an epic space opera, I've always found it really, really jars. And, and this, I think this is the problem you're getting at as well, is that for the finale of the movie, they want a big space battle. Yeah, and so instead of starting with, you know, let's face it, you could have had a big space battle with 15 of those Star Destroyers. And it all the probably, X-wings it, and all that it, things. it would have been it more would, realistic. Exactly, and then you could have had a battle fleet turn up from worlds that are rising up against the First Order and everything, 
and it didn't need to be as big as it was. Right. It could have been a few hundred ships. It still would have worked. But no, obviously somebody goes, well, let's make it bigger. Let's make it more epic. And yeah. it just basically, it, it, it ruins your suspension of disbelief, which is, to me is one of the cardinal rules you can't break, particularly in, a, in a, anything, a sci-fi or a fantasy-type movie. The last thing you can do is break suspension of disbelief. And this does it in spades. Yeah. Did it in the did it in the uh, in the the, uh, the Force Awakens with the whole you know one planet that can destroy any other planet in the galaxy at will without going anywhere? Right. You know it was exactly the same sort of deal there. The business with the small worlds the small worlds problem was there in the Last Jedi as well, where they they were able in the middle of a chase to slip off and go and have a completely adventure somewhere else and come back. Yeah. And yet, somehow, they can catch up to the the rebel fleet, and these story destroyers right behind them can't. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it, it's and and the problem then is when you put MacGuffins into these stories, which obviously you have to do to 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 drive the plot forward. You know, pretty much every sci-fi and fantasy movie we've ever seen is is driven by some sort of MacGuffin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when you put a MacGuffin, a MacGuffin in there, when you then ignore the rules of the universe, it makes the whole thing seem pointless. Mm-hmm. Yeah? And, and you look, again, contrast with the big move from last year, look what they did with the Infinity Stones. Yeah? They, didn't, they made it completely non-trivial, acquiring and getting those and holding on to them and everything, and it really drove those movies forward. Yep. And, yet, and, and yet, if you'd have just, you know, well, anybody can do anything whenever they want. And, and let's face it... <laughs> Uh, Endgame is a movie which features time travel as a major plot point, which is normally a, a pretty risky thing to do, and yet they pull it off. And yet, in a in a universe which has got uh, rules that were established thirty, forty years ago by George Lucas, uh, Abrams just throws them out the window when he feels like it. Yeah, agreed. So, here's my problem with the Lando character when he returns with the fleet. The heroes are oh my god it's 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 the end and nobody's coming and then do you even remember what Lando says I can't remember now. Um, no, I can't remember the, the what he says. No. But that's kind of the point. But and the main character Poe Dameron is all excited and Lando buddy he he never he met Lando He's for met five him. minutes. <laughs> Why it, and you're supposed to be emotionally oh my god. Uh, and, and His not only friend that, came through. Well, who didn't know that they weren't going to come through? No, wasn't the whole point about about uh, that planet was it was really hard to get to, and nobody knew where it was. Yeah, and then a million ships show up. <laughs> a million ships show up. Stupid. because yeah, they showed them flying round and really through and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's so. Di- but forget about that for a minute. I'm just talking about from an emotional level. Yeah, character driven. Okay, so Lando shows up. In the nick of time, when the heroes are, are, they're going to get beat. There's no question, right? Yeah. And then Lando shows up with the fleet, and he does that scene, and we're supposed to be like, "Yay, came through." They did exactly the same thing in Avengers Endgame, except here's the difference: when Steve Rogers, Captain America, knows he's beat the sh- his shield's been busted. He he knows he's going to go down. What's the sound that he hears in his earpiece? On your left. And yeah. it harkens back to five movies ago or so. Yeah. And there's an emotional connection. You're just like, yeah. Yeah. 
it's the Falcon, and he's, you know, oh my God, it's such a powerful scene. And it has humanity behind it. Just that one little line. And it's so quiet on your left. Yep. Oh, yeah. it's just it's just brilliant. And they try yeah. to do that in Star Wars, and it falls flat on its face because there's no emotional connection to any of these characters. No one really gets Poe Dameron. And he is the most interesting character, in my opinion, in the entire new series. Yeah. I mean, he has the best lines. You go first, I go first. You know? And the first one, that was great. And this but one... The, but that's when, the thing. I mean... The, the whole try to sell him stepping up to become like the leader of the resistance thing didn't they work. Just, they didn't pull it off. No, they tried to set it up in the Last Jedi. It just didn't work. At no, no point. In fact, in the Last Jedi, when they try to set it up, it, he's a miserable failure. He does well, everything he, wrong. But that's the whole. That's kind of what I say. They they put him down so much in that. At no point do you think I'm, I've got to be honest. Even before, even even in the first movie, at no point did I I look at this guy. You know, he's clearly brilliant at the things he's brilliant at. At no point did I go, this guy's a leader. This guy's no. going to, you know, it's a completely different skill set. Yeah. yeah. He's the hotshot pilot who you know, you always want to have in the mix. Yeah. And he's often the guy who can turn things on a dime because that's what hotshot pilots do. That's a completely different role from running the entire show. Mm -hmm. And it was perfectly clear that he had no skills in that area. Never did. Yeah, he was never you a know? leader. So to, to, to pass that torch on to him, it would have made more sense, to be honest with you. They brought Lando back earlier in the movie and put him in charge when Leah goes. Exactly. That, that would have made more far sense. More, in fact, if you'd have reversed that whole thing round, yeah, so you didn't have uh, Poe flying around the, in, a, in an X-Wing in that battle, but you had Lando in the, in the Falcon flying around that battle, and it's Poe po shows, shows up in the, in the X-Wing having, having pulled people together. That would have, that would have worked a lot better. But yeah, and then you could have had a whole subplot with Poe going to these different places exactly, trying to get yeah. people. And, yeah. and, 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 you know, and, and Poe, um, but they couldn't do that because Poe's the star and Lando is <laughs> Yeah. Lando isn't. Yeah, you're absolutely no. right. So they had exactly the same scene in two movies, and both from Disney, by the way. One at a Marvel, one at Star Wars. And it just didn't work in Star Wars. They never established any of these characters consistently, and they did in Marvel. Captain America is a totally different character than Tony Stark, who's a totally different character than Thor, who's a totally different character than Bruce Banner. Uh, these so, are all very unique characters yeah. that, to be fair, they had a lot more screen time to develop. Yeah. But they could have done that in the Star Wars movies, and they chose not to. And and they See, didn't have any kind of plan for this trilogy. They just well, yeah. Did you hear the? the there was an interview I read on. I think it was on um, Birth Movies Death, where they interviewed um, the other writer of this movie, Nick Somebody, um, who wrote it with J.J. Abrams, uh, and he talked about their process. And their process was literally they put up on a whiteboard all the big sequences they wanted to put in the movie. And then they came up with a story that fitted them together. Yeah, see, and that's yeah? the wrong and that, way to and tell that, And that's, that's, that's why it is what it is. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean... I'm, we liked it. We, we enjoyed that movie. We both yeah. came out... You know, I had probably more doubts than you going in. And we both came out thinking that we enjoyed that. That was really good. But it's, it's not going to stand up to, uh, uh, over time. No, it I don't won't think be they'd... ranked in anybody's top five Star Wars movies. Yeah. And it won't... It, it's not... It's a spectacle movie, and some people say, "Well, that's what Star Wars is." Well, no, it's it's it should be more, and yeah. and they and they used to be, 
and it just doesn't there's just no character development at all and it's so inconsistent so you think that the stormtrooper and the scavenger are going to get together because they clearly are establishing that they have feelings for each other right yeah so why the hell is she kissing the bad guy who kills han solo who um you know betrayed luke skywalker who tried to kill her a number of times yeah and then they throw this thing at the very well, end. They wanted last to movie. Do, oh, there's a to, duality. What? Yeah, they they wanted to give him his give him his redemption arc, and that sealed off the redemption arc. Right. Um, like I said last time we talked about about it, at least at least they didn't give him a full redemption where he actually you know survives the whole thing and becomes everyone's friend, which I think would have been a temptation and would have been even worse. Um, but yeah, look at but look at talking about you know, relationships. Look at how they treated Finn in yeah. this one. You know, he's meant to go with. It's clearly, it's clearly set up in the thing, in the in the beginning movie that he has feelings for for Ray. Yeah. Yeah. And then in the second one, they had Rose, who gets yep. just completely sidelined in this movie. Then they introduce somebody else who he meets for five minutes, and then apparently they're kind of bonding over each other, and then they're going to go in and fight the final battle together. And you think, well, what? What? Hang on a minute. What what the, what's going on with that? What are you trying to say with that by introducing right. this this other group of characters? That whole look, I, it, to me, it really stuck out as a we want this storyboard sequence to fit in the movie sometime. That whole uh, the battle on the on the wrecked Death Star. Because yeah. first of all, I thought to myself, why is that Death Star there? Exactly. <laughs> it blew up over Endor, and yet the wreckage didn't end up on Endor. It ended up somewhere else in the Endor system. That doesn't make sense. Secondly, it blew up. There's no way it would have all been kind of crashed and landed on the planet, sticking up out. And they already did that in the first movie. And it was great there, but to try and pull the same thing off again. And not only that, the the fight sequence itself, yeah, you could have done that on a water planet with the waves and all that sort of thing. That was all very well done. Without having it being the wreckage of the Death Star, you didn't have to put the thing, the MacGuffin she was looking for, in the wreckage of the old Death Star. In fact, it was a stupid place for it to be. Yes. Why would you expect this top-secret uh, relic that the Emperor was looking after? Why would... I remember in Jedi, he just turned up on the Death Star out of the blue. Why would he be bringing that around with him? Yeah. Would it not be more sensible to have it in a in a Sith temple somewhere where you might have to go and track that down. It might be harder to get into. Yeah. And, and then they have the fight. So because you still could have had it on a water planet with the waves. There was absolutely no need to do all of that. And then they have this thing as well, where the, the Falcon, every time it goes somewhere, it crashes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's not because it crashed at the end of um, the last of uh, force awakens as well. Yep. And yet when they need it to fly again, apparently they just take off. Yeah. It's fine. It it was on yeah. fire at the beginning yeah. of this movie, and five minutes later, they're flying away. <laughs> Wait, I thought the Falcon was on fire. <laughs> it, oh, um, by the um, by the way, while we're talking about inconsistencies, Tie Fighters, those little teeny tiny ships that are meant to be the whole point about the Tie Fighter was you know safety in numbers. They're all disposable because they're populated they're piloted by clones or whatever and so they have no shields no nothing and and they're just like cannon fodder but the empire has a million of them apparently those now have hyperdrive yeah <laughs> so they can follow a ship all around the galaxy that very small galaxy of eight places yeah, there were so many inconsistencies that ray i've got to tell you something i got a secret <laughs> okay and then yeah, later have... hey didn't you have a secret that you're going to say yeah, oh, yeah now's not a good time and then nobody ever brings it up again. Yeah. 
Hello? What, what was the secret? Uh, I don't know. Uh, who cares? Didn't matter. <laughs> it's such lazy storytelling. Yeah. It's... And I'm going to hand it to JJ and, and his team. The fact that they pulled off a movie we both came out of and enjoyed. Yep. In spite of all of that, I, I think I, actually I, says I give them credit. Yeah, the great filmmakers, you know. But they but really it, need writers. <laughs> they really need writers. They need someone uh, in the room going, "Well, hang on a minute. If he keeps talking about the secret, and we never tell the audience what the secret is, well, no, you know what it is. He he kind of has force powers. Oh, okay, but you don't really ever establish it in the movies before." I know, but look, he does. That's the secret. That's why he... But you never say it in the movie. And they I, never reveal I, it. And again, one of the problems with this universe, and The Mandalorian shows this well, because they deliberately address this, where it was perfectly clear that just only a few years after the fall of the Empire, most people have not heard of the Force and the Jedi. Right. Yeah, it which is exactly right. a super rare right. thing. Yeah. A super rare thing. These guys are specialists. They're like they are like sorcerers. They're like magicians. Yeah. And the problem is in in the J.J. Abrams and the Disney view of the world, in the movie view of the world, well, the false sensitivity is just like well, it's just there for everyone, and you just need to <laughs> some you you ever show it off is when yeah. you need it for the plot. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Bad. Yeah. Well, let's talk about these, because we said we were going to talk about uh, some trailers, and it, it looks like 2020 yeah. is going to be good, and we kind of skipped over it. So, um, three trailers I want to focus on, and I'm going to go in reverse order here. First one's Birds of Prey. It was just released this week. Um, it might as well just be called Harley Quinn, because well, has, once again, has, here's a whole bunch a, of, it's a team, yeah. but it's really focused on one character. Just like Suicide Squad was really focused on two characters. Yeah. Will Smith and Harley Quinn. That's that's the only thing people well, really cared about. Yeah. The only thing that's that this one's well, what's this one's going got going for it is that uh, Harley Quinn, played by uh, Margot Robbie, is amazing. Yeah, she <laughs> she's so captivating on screen. Yeah, forget yeah. the fact that she's just ungodly beautiful as this a very not, bad girl. It's, it's she's not, a really good actress. It, well, that, I, that's what I say. I mean, that you could put you could put a beautiful woman in those you know in those scenes with with those costumes and everything like that but that that wouldn't like the screen and what she's got is she she had she's an excellent actress and she portrays you know exactly what we've all imagined harley quinn to be you know well, we didn't have to imagine we've seen it on batman's adventures for yeah no but years. i'm saying bringing bringing it to life on yeah. the screen yeah into be somebody who is you know, she's probably more Joker than the Joker is in that she's clearly absolutely mad. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, um, clinically mad. But at the same time, you know, she's complicated. She's, um, you know, she, she flits from thing to thing all the time. You know, she's obviously very bad. She's capable of being very good. She's completely amoral, really, um, and very much wrapped up in herself. Uh, and yet, you know, she she just lights the screen up when she's on the screen. And this trailer really kind of brings it out. I mean, obviously, you, know, you can always cut a trailer to favor yes. a particular character. So I think I the whole movie is going to be that, though. But you know yeah. who looks like they're having just a ball in this trailer? Ewan McGregor. Or Ewan, yeah. Or, yeah. He, he, he just looks like he had a lot of fun doing this. Yeah. Because he doesn't get to play the really the heavy very often. 
Nice. And he's obviously black mask in this movie. Um, it it looks really good. I, I'm. I don't know if this is going to be go to a theater to watch it. It will probably be wait till it comes out on video to watch it. But still, it looks good. Well, yeah. I mean, the caveat we have with this is that Suicide, Suicide Squad looked amazing from the trailers as well. Yeah. And it turned out to be quite disappointing. There's and, and... parts of it that are really good. Yeah. And there's most of it is really bad. All the Harley Quinn scenes are really good. All the dead shot with Will Smith is really good, especially with him when they give him all the weapons at the prison. He's like, yeah, you guys must be crazy. And um, that's a brilliant scene. I loved it. But then the rest of the movie is just like, blech. Um, Next one. This one, I think I will go to the theater to see Wonder Woman 1984. Now, this is, um, I guess you'd say part two from the one. The first Wonder Woman movie was great. And I would say arguably the best DC movie we've got uh, from the DC universe, I should say. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Yeah, and this looks like it might even be even better. Is, yeah, this, because the this first is... Wonder Woman is really Captain America, the first Avenger. I mean, they yeah. kind of really kind of riffed on that big time. This one doesn't really feel like anything that's come before. It feels like if, if anything, hey, it feels like the eighties. I mean, well, for... because because it's the eighties, I'll tell you what it very strongly reminds me of, and and this is a good thing, is the uh, the Wonder Woman TV show from the eighties. Yes, with yep. uh, what's her name in it? Um, yep, Linda Carter. Linda Carter. Yeah, because it, it it looks like that. It has that vibe because it is also in the eighties, and they've they've really nailed the um, the time period. From what we yeah, can see the in the colors, trailer, the, 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 the neon, the yeah, the, I, I know the, the music. music. I'm, I'm struggling. It's, uh, it's, um, it's, um, New uh, Order. New Order. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, and it's an actually, it's the funny, they, they didn't use the one that was popular. They used a deeper 12 inch cut for that trailer. Uh huh. Cause I've got that song in both and that's the one that's, it's an extended version of it. It's like eight minutes long or something. Um, but it works. The whole thing works. There's one little hokey part that I was like, yeah, where she's using the lasso to swing from lightning bolts. I was like, yeah, I don't know about that. Oh, you know, that's from the finale because obviously they, sure. She has, she was uh, in the first one. They kind of amp up her godlike powers by the end of it. And I love that. Uh, Matthew Lord, I think that's his name. Max Lord is the bad guy. And, it's played by the guy who does the Mandalorian. Yeah, not I that you know it because we've only had one scene with his with his helmet off. Right, but um, yeah, which uh, by the way, he looked terrible in that. Well, he that should. Scene. He just got his ass yeah, handed to him a whole he, bunch. Yeah. <laughs> you can't look at it. You think, whoa! If you're oh, that ugly under there, you should really keep the helmet on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it, it it looks like a really good movie. Um, I I've read some comments that oh great they're bringing you know, the main guy back again. He he died in the last movie. They should have left him dead. It was better for the character, for the Wonder Woman character, that she lost him. Yeah. I disagree. I, I think Steve Trevor was one of the best parts of Wonder Woman. Um, he was the perfect, perfect foil to the fish out of water, which is what Wonder Woman is in that first movie. Yeah. So now they're going to reverse that. He's the fish out of water. This is 40 years after he supposedly died. And they're obviously they're going to use some time travel tricks. They have to because yeah. he's, he's the same age. Yeah, exactly. You know, and um, and yeah, I think I think that's yeah. You've got it. You really do have to have, particularly again, if you. I think I think they were very strongly influenced by. 
by the 70s TV show for this. Oh, yeah. So Especially I the think, costume, the brightness of it. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I think if you're going to riff off that, you need to have Steve Trevor there because he was the sidekick in the TV show. Yeah. And he was there all the time. And, and really, you know, a, a very, very many, before she got involved with, with the Justice League and everything, a lot of Wonder Woman's standalone stories were with her working with him. Yep. That you know, so it, it, it's a dynamic that they know works. This is directed by the same uh, by uh, what's her name, Patty. Somebody. Yeah, it's the same lady it, who did the one. Same lady who did yeah. the last one, so you know it's in safe hands. Yeah, uh, Gal Gadot has been very Brilliant. very. Yeah, but she's also she's she's been very straightforward and straight speaking about her opinions of the character. So I she think, has you know, a respect for this character that exactly. I think most actors that are in these superhero type movies don't. Yeah, and so I don't think she wants to see it going in the wrong direction. Obviously, uh, the director doesn't want to see it going the wrong wrong direction. So, you know, it's it's with a with a very good trailer. Well, it's very strong notice that this is going to be a great movie. You know, I, my hope, and it wouldn't make sense for. DC continuity, but I don't care. Forget about the comic books. I think Steve, Steve Trevor should become Green Lantern. Yeah? Yeah. That's I, I want to see that. I really do. I think he would... Forget that, you know, it, it's Hell Jordan and all that. Mm-hmm. This guy becomes Green Lantern. You know, that he shows uh, great courage and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And... I think that would be great. So then you get the third movie where he's Green Lantern and she's Wonder Woman and they go on an adventure together and they both have powers. I think that'd yeah. be great. You know, he'd be the overconfident because he's got this super powerful weapon and yeah. she's the one that's kind of mentoring him on, you know, to to be a superhero. I think that would be brilliant. Let's um, let's get over to uh, to Hollywood and pitch it. Mm-hmm. Last one let's talk about before we uh, get out of here. And I'll be honest, this is the one that I'm the most excited about, which by all rights, I shouldn't be. This is Ghostbusters Afterlife. Oh, yeah. You know, I I, I agree with you. I saw the trailer for this. I got chills. Yeah, I thought this this looks so well done. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's such a great idea for taking the story forward. Because you know what? The original Ghostbusters was a great movie. Ghostbusters 2, I think, was very underrated. It was okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I would agree with that. It's okay. It, when it's on, I'm not necessarily going to stop and watch it again, but I'm not going to say it was bad. It's not as good as the first one. I it's mean, very few yeah, movies but it, are, but, but no, it was I don't, good. I, I didn't think it was It was perhaps as bad as, it, as the reception it got, put it that way. Uh, I think it was enjoyable. Yeah. I, I've got to be honest, I enjoyed the reboot. I thought the reboot had some great I, elements in it. I didn't. I didn't. didn't. Here's why. No. And it wasn't because of the, oh, it's women and you can't accept. No. It, BS. We just, we're gushing over Wonder Woman and Birds of Prey here. Yeah. The problem I had with the reboot is it was a reboot, number one. They completely ignored the first two movies and they're beloved movies. You can't yeah. ignore those. Okay. That's number one. And number two, in the first movie, you've got the diehard scientist, the funny guy, who's also the kind of the leader, snarky, the earnest sidekick, Mm -hmm. and the outsider. And they all have their clear roles and they stay in their lane. In the reboot, they all try to be the funny person. 
Well, yeah, and because they hired, four, they hired four comedians. To, right, uh, and it doesn't us. work at all. Well, they can't yeah. all be the funny person. I'll tell you, the funniest person in that first in that reboot was Chris Hemsworth. He was, <laughs> and he kicked their ass. He did, yeah, but he, that's because it goes with what you're saying. He had the clearly defined role to be the stupid, inadvertently funny sidekick. Right, and yeah. all the other women in, in the main characters are stepping on yeah. each toes trying to get the laugh, the whole yeah. movie. So I, I, I it, do doesn't what you're saying, yeah. it doesn't having work. Having said that, I didn't hate it the way that many people... I didn't people hate it. Don't I, I don't want you yeah. to think I hated it. No, I, I, I just think it wasn't very good. Yeah. But the thing is... You and see if they the wouldn't tra- have called it Ghostbusters, I would have been fine with it. But they yeah. did. They you did see, call it Ghostbusters. The thing is, you see the trailer for Ghostbusters Afterlife, and, and immediately you go... Yes, this is what the sequel needs to be. It, it just, you know, and it, and obviously it's got a real Stranger Things vibe to it, which is no bad thing whatsoever. Well, yeah. it's got one of the air, actors from Stranger Things in it, so exactly, yeah. But it, they kind of you, the trailer is cut in a way that you kind of get that um, that yeah. feel, you know. Yep. That it's it's and and it's it's a similar sort of setup. It's a small town. Weird things start happening. The kids notice it first, yeah. But then all of a sudden, you come to realize that actually these kids are relatives of one of, of one well, of the original one of the kids is a relative, yeah, at least, yeah. You know, and then then and then and and from that, and you meet, oh, that's all you need. At that point, you just go, yeah, I get this, and yep. you go with this setup. This could be really great. And they've got a, a really good actor in Paul Rudd. I, yeah. I I like Paul Rudd a lot. I think he's I do a, too. He is a great actor. He really is. I don't think he gets a credit. Yeah, he's a funny guy, but it's hard to be funny. Um, he's he's our voice. He's the one that explains to these kids, you know, we haven't had a ghost sighting since the 80s. Yeah. And who's, who's your grandfather? You know? Yeah. And, and they and, and then they find the, the, the car and they're driving it. And we know because of... Thank you, Internet. We know that surviving cast members from the original movies are all in this. Yeah. Ernie Hudson's in it and Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. And they're all in here. And not only that, they've, they've taken what is a weakness because everybody, any, anybody who follows the history of, of, of the Ghostbusters franchise knows that been, they were trying to get a, a third movie done for years and years and years. Yep. And they were pitching and they were pitching and they were pitching and they basically had everything they needed lined up. Yep. Except for Bill Murray to sign on the line, yeah, and, and he didn't, and he didn't want to do it. And then, and then Harold um, Ramis dies. Harold Ramis dies, and at that point, you kind of think, you know, it's kind of like when John Lennon dies. It's kind of well, that's it. The Beatles are over. Yep. Yeah, and they've taken that his absence and they've put it in the core of this movie. Yeah, in and a way that it's gonna works, work. and that yeah. is why it's going to work. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've, I've, I've got a hundred percent confidence in this movie. It looks brilliant. Uh, it looks like they're taking the source material seriously because let's be honest ghostbusters was a comedy it was a fun movie yeah. it wasn't hard science fiction or horror or any of those things it was a goofy movie that we all love and they're doing it right they're yeah. bringing it they're dusting it off they're taking what i hope is the kind of the core thing and this movie which you know i was a little worried if you would even be interested in this because you're very much do something new and don't play to fan service where this thing is just dripping with nostalgia, uh, literally oh, look, blowing the dust the, off of the past. I the mean, point is I love 
nostalgia when it's done right. What yeah. I don't like is fan service just thrown in for fan services. So. And you don't think this, like, that's instance, what this is? I'll tell you what I didn't like, particularly didn't like about the Ghostbusters reboot is the fact that you had um, Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray show up in that movie as completely right. different characters, just as cameos. That's right. what I don't like because that's just pure fan service. It's pointless. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But but to actually use use the uh, the background and the fan service as a way to kick off and drive the plot forward. That I'm I'm all down with. I'm perfectly fine with that. What do you think about the Bill Murray voiceover in the trailer? Uh, Which doesn't I, kick in until the end of the yeah, trailer. Yeah. I could have done without that part. I, I the problem again, the problem I have is with with Bill Murray in this is that, you know, he he's He's always not wanted to revisit this, this, and now all of a sudden he is. And you know, maybe Harold Ramis's death has has changed his view on that. And I, I, I don't know. I, I, I love Bill Murray's performances. I think yeah, if Bill Murray agreed to do this, it's got to be good. I hope so. I've never but, seen Bill Murray in a really terrible, terrible movie. No, I, ha- I haven't. But you know, I, I, Bill Murray is a, is a, he's a difficult man to like. You know, you think so I, yeah, I can't no, think of I, something I don't like him in. No, I, I no, I, I'm, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about uh, his perform. I love his performances. I'm talking about him as an actor and a person. I'm, I'm not really big on these. I just don't, I don't like actors who crap all over their previous work. And, and Bill Murray is one who basically always does that. You know, I, he never. I don't wa- remember him crapping on it. No, no, in, in, than... in, in, in interviews and everything like that, he basically has. He's always said, oh, I don't want to talk about that, I don't want to do... He's a grumpy guy. Um, and and knowing that he basically pushed back on this project for so long, and now all of a sudden he wants to be involved, it just kind of ticks me off a little bit. Hmm. You, you know, know, having it, said that, it, hopefully he'll be really good in it, and it will make have, sense. Have you seen those things online about Bill Murray showing up unexpectedly at different things? No, yeah, but yeah, again, I, it's fine he does that. I know, I know that's his shtick. He likes to turn up at birthday parties and dinners and things like that and then he'll buy everyone's food and all of that sort of thing but it, it's it, it comes across to me as very very affected and yet when people want to talk to him about I would say serious, eccentric except, well yeah but I, I think there are some people who are eccentric just because they're eccentric and there's some people who are eccentric because they're deliberately trying to be eccentric he always came across to me as somebody who's deliberately trying to be eccentric and, and I, I, that kind of it, I don't like it very much, you know. know. Some people are just are eccentric, and they just they are will of the wisp, and, and it sounds like he's trying a bit too hard. And yet, when you try and pin him down on something that, that's important to people, he becomes all you know. Oh well, I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. I think it'd be hard to to be in a position that everybody keeps asking you about this thing you did years ago. You know, it'd be like, hey, you remember when you worked at that one place? Yeah, yeah, I was I, I was a mailman for a few years there. Yeah, do you remember this part about being that job? Yeah, I, I'm Sorry, not interested. Yeah, in... I, but I, I can understand that. But by the same token, you know, re- first of all, reflect on the fact that many people, if that's what they know you for, then that is the thing they know best about you. Embrace it. Don't. To you know, and at the same time, I mean, it's not like he's he he hasn't suffered from being typecast. He's always been able to work on other things, and he's done great 
other work that wasn't revolving around Ghostbusters. It's not like Lost in Translation is uh, is, is yeah, absolutely fantastic movie. And that's one yeah. of the movies I was thinking of. Yeah. Um, but you know, uh, so so he's been able. It's not like he's been trapped by that role. He's been able to do what he wants. So there's really no reason for him to be so grumpy about it, and yet he is, and uh, or has been, and um, that kind of. Uh, ticks me off a little bit you know and, and I I know, I know there are there are other actors particularly in the in Britain who've been typecast for certain roles and some of them are a bit like that as well but there are others who've turned around and said you know what that role made me the person I am today and gave me every other opportunity I've ever had so why would I ever look down on it yeah you know Picard comes to mind right now well he's he's done Lots of other things. I mean, yeah, he wouldn't have become a big movie star without Star Trek. No. Um, but, you know, he was he already had a very established career in things he loved doing in, in the theatre, in Royal Shakespeare, in all of these other things, you know. So, um, yeah, but the, the, but the and the point is, is that he would not be known as Professor X or any of the other things he'd done if he'd never done Star Trek. I'm so looking he, forward to Picard. Ah, uh, me too. It's only a few days away now, isn't it? Yeah, it's not too long. It's this month. Yeah. Um, the, and the, of course, they're doing the whole one episode at a time thing. Yeah. Which oh, I hate that. I just want to. I just want to eat the entire cake when it comes out of the oven. I don't want to even wait. Yeah, but you know what happens when you eat the whole cake in one yeah. sitting? Sometimes you get a stomach ache. And sometimes I'm very satisfied. <laughs> so some, with, sometimes you get diabetes. <laughs> And yeah. all, all I can say, and I know we're closing off now, is that I'm really looking forward to the 31st of March because that's when Disney Plus launches in the UK and I'll be able to finally watch The Mandalorian. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> it's, it's really good, I hear. I, I, don't, so. I don't want to spoil it for you. <laughs> I'll, uh, you know, some of the people listening to this are tech fan podcast subscribers. Uh, the show is on its own in iTunes and Spotify and all those places, but we're also in the tech fan feed. So if you're a tech fan listener and you like what you're hearing here, Hey, go to, uh, you know, your, your favorite podcast app, if you will, and subscribe because it, this is not going to stay its own website forever. Um, but if you want to subscribe, the best way to do it is go to geekspubpodcast.com and uh, we'll have information up there on subscribing and all that fun stuff. I gotta, I've got to submit it. It's it, The only thing I've submitted it to so far is, is uh, iTunes. So you can find us in iTunes, but we will soon be uh, on all the other platforms. For instance, David, if you go to mymac.com, and click the latest tech fan episode, you'll see that we're in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, I've got links to tech fan and all those, and I'll do the same thing here for uh, this show as well. Just uh, give me a little bit of time because work, life. Uh, But you got to subscribe to this one separately. It is eventually going to separate from the tech fan feed, and they are two separate shows. Uh, haven't set up an email address on here though. Need to do that. Need to do that. We need to well, hear from our fan. Yeah, there must be at least one of them. Well, there's four. <laughs> so if you guys uh, want to get a hold of us right now, just use the Tech Fan email address. It's yeah. the show at techfanpodcast.com. We'll set one up here. It'll be like 
you know, mail or... I've just realised we know, will get angry emails from all the people in the UK who are waiting for Disney Plus to watch The Mandalorian and we've just spoiled it for them. Well, that's only two people, so... <laughs> one's in Australia and one's in America, two in England. <laughs> See you in two weeks, David. See you then.